Welcome back, storytellers. This is your host, Yin Chang. If you've been enjoying our show, I have a feeling you will enjoy our essays and articles over on our website at 88cupsoftea.com. Our published pieces are written by some of your favorite authors and powerful emerging new voices. We recently published a piece by Shamile Sayed Mendez where she writes candidly about life's hurdles and finding magic in the day to day. This is the newest installment in our essay and podcast series of intimate stories in partnership with our friends at Vermont College of Fine Arts. We teamed up with VCFA's MFA in writing for children and young adults to create this thoughtfully curated series to provide you with as much inspiration as possible along your writing journey. If you haven't had the chance to check out this series yet, be sure to head over to 88cupsoftea.com slash category slash VCFA. We have podcast episodes that feature guests like the literary agent Linda Camacho and the author Kekla Magoon, along with articles and essays by Carrie Jones, Lori Morrison, Victoria Wells Arms, Jay Albertman, and a special article where author Laura Simpson interviewed her editor, Maggie Rosenthal, the associate editor at Viking Children's Books, which is an imprint of Penguin Random House to discuss their author-editor relationship. To read and listen to all the podcast episodes and essays in our exclusive series with VCFA, head over to 88cupsoftea.com slash category slash VCFA. And to learn more about the master's program at Vermont College of Fine Arts, head over to vcfa.edu. For our show today, we have New York Times bestselling author of The Poet X, With the Fire on High, and Clap When You Land, Elizabeth Acevedo. Her critically acclaimed debut novel, The Poet X, won the 2018 National Book Award for Young People's Literature. She is also the recipient of the Prince Award for Excellence in Young Adult Fiction, the CILIP Carnegie Medal, and the Boston Globe Horn Book Award. She was also honored with the 2019 Pure Belpre Author Award for celebrating, affirming, and portraying Latinx culture and experience. In our conversation, we discuss the important role that routine plays in our writing process and how it can help us connect deeper with our characters. Elizabeth shares her experience rebuilding and relearning her own routine during this pandemic and how forgiveness, kindness, and focusing on what is in her control has helped her throughout this difficult time. We then talk about disrupting our priorities to give ourselves the permission to slow down and rest. And later, we discuss strategies to help us confront our writing fears and push past perfectionism to allow us to see the beauty in the entire journey from the first draft to the finished piece. Before we jump right in, we recorded this conversation in mid-May. Now let's get right into it. Hi, Yin. Hi, how are you, Elizabeth? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm so good hanging in there. Thank you so much for doing this call during a pandemic. It's funny because right now it's like so crazy that I can't help but just laugh about it. You know what I mean? Because of like everything that's been happening. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, but it's just so beautiful too at moments like this where people like you take the time to just 
set aside tea. You know, it's funny. I have my green tea actually with me right now. I just brewed some delicious sencha. And just taking a moment out of our day where it's almost getting blurred, like what the hell kind of day is it today? I don't know if it's Sunday. I don't know if it's Saturday. I don't know if it's Thursday. You know what I mean? So I appreciate you for doing this. Seriously. Thank you. No, I'm, I'm so glad that we were able to, to connect. And I, I think it's exactly right. that There's so much chaos and so much yeah. uncertainty that it feels like the moments I can control, like I'm going to accept this call and I'm going to drink this tea and yes. I'm going to, you know, attempt to be joyous. Like those little choices seem so much bigger because yeah, who knows what day it is, yes. but I know like <laughs> I'm wearing socks that make me happy. You know, like you make small decisions yes. every day. <laughs> oh my God. I love the way this started. Thank you so much for that. By the way, I need to ask you, so our listeners know what tea are you drinking? I'm drinking apple caramel. I've been trying to get into more desserty tea so that I feel like I'm like a little midday treat. So this is like my apple pie in a cup tea. Oh my God, that sounds delicious. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Greek mountain tea. It looked like beautiful dried leaves and flowers. But the thing is, when you brew it, it reminds me of, I don't know if you've ever had chrysanthemum tea, which is really popular in my Taiwanese culture, beautiful flowers. Um, so it reminds me of chrysanthemum tea when it's brewed and steeped for a little bit longer. And so the flavor is there, but the benefits are supposed to be really good for you to help boost the immunity, to help with respiratory, to help with antioxidants, like basically everything our body needs right now during this pandemic. This is actually supposed to help us and also keep us more calm as well. I'm not sure if you believe in like that other side of it too, but I do believe oh, tea, sure. right? Tea makes us feel so grounded in the moment. Like just having a cup just allows me to suddenly refocus on the day, just calm a little bit from whatever's happening in my day. And this tea is doing it for me. Oh, I completely agree with you. I think there's something behind the intent of making tea. Like yes. for me to know like, oh, I want ginger turmeric today because maybe my stomach feels off or, oh, I want yes. whatever it is that I have to be intentional about. What is it that I'm feeling in my body that I'm trying to address? Yes. And then I, I make myself something to address that, you know, like the, yes. the intent there of I'm listening to what my body feels and then I'm going out of my way to try to like give it what it needs, you know, whether or not it's just psychological, I, I think just warmth, also just like warmth in your body is important. Yes. <laughs> like yes. just, I'm going to yes. give you a warm thing today because I love you. I think it's beautiful. Like, I don't know. Yes, because it's nourishing not only us with, you know, they always say drink enough water and liquids. It's not just nourishing our body and cells in that way. It is nourishing our soul. It truly is nourishing our soul, connecting it to our mind. The intention you were talking about with each brew, each steep, each pulling out the pot from your cabinet, every single step it does something to awaken the other senses that are usually not tapped into. And also, this is what I love to mention to the listeners too. It does a lot for our, our storytelling. It really does. There's something about the act of making the tea that suddenly opens like gateways to other realms of your creativity. It's like a, an unlocking. Um, man, I'm going to start to sound woo-woo right now, but you know what I mean, right? I'm like, oh my God. But every writer has their like routine, their woo-woo, especially <laughs> yeah. you, you get in a moment where you're stuck and you're like, all right, I got to go for the big boys, right? And it's, sometimes yes. it's a cup of tea or it's yes. relying on what is the thing I know 
what is the routine I can fall into to help me unlock what I'm chasing after and, and whatever we got to tell ourselves, I'm with you. Like, yes, there's the grounding of yourself within your body that then allows you to open up to, to your characters that allows you to open up to language that allows you to take perhaps a detour in the story that you wouldn't have taken. I think, you know, the days that I'm frazzled, it is hard to be a little bit more in tune to my story because my brain is in a lot of places, but I've noticed that by just lighting a candle or making a cup of tea or like even just closing safari, like only my, the page I'm working on is open. It like declutters everything else. Like I'm doing the thing so that I can show up. Yes. Okay. So before we get into more details, I do have to uh, put it out there for listeners listening every single day during this pandemic, I've been delivering in the morning food. And also I go out on the daily because part of essential working. And I was listening to podcast episodes with you. And I have to say, every single one you've done, you are absolutely like out of this world. You're not even human. Like the way you speak, the way you connect with each and every host, the way you are as a person, just from all of your experiences. And I want to recommend to the listeners, they must listen to your episode from Artworks Podcast. That was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Also, Juntos We Shine was so fun. I couldn't stop having a smile on my face, but just had to put a shout out that Those podcast episodes are so in-depth and so beautiful, and I'm grateful to be able to have a conversation with you, someone who is so soulful of a person, who's so aware of the world outside and intrinsically, and I just feel like we should definitely kick off and get into more details about your day-to-day so far, because when your episode's going to release, I do believe we're still going to be in this, unfortunately. And I think it's so, in a way, comforting to hear from somebody that the community really, really admires and looks up to, to hear how you're kind of navigating, even if it's meaning like failing forward or like not even knowing what the hell to do. There's a relief in that, knowing that we're not alone, you know? Right. One, I appreciate the way that you frame this and, and thank you so much for doing the work of, of listening to other podcasts and getting to know me a little bit. I think it, mm. you know, I always appreciate when folks take the time. I've been thinking a lot about patterns, right? What are the patterns that we fall into? What are the coping mechanisms that we develop? Particularly after, you know, I'm in DC and when we got our stay at home orders, I'd already been you know, staying at home for a week before it became official. And I found myself reacting in very particular ways. I would wake up and just, I feel so sad and like, couldn't, couldn't name it. Like everyone in my family was still healthy. My parents were finally taking the precautions they needed to take. I had been hounding them for a while, but I still felt like grief and I didn't know what that was. And I think it was my relearning a pattern of like how to react to the world. How do you react to what you know is coming before it has arrived? And and part of what I think I have to grapple with is that the day-to-day feels so mundane. It's like, mm. oh, it's the same day all over again. Like yes. I don't know how to how to deal with the fact that there's only so much I can do in a day within these four walls, right? Mm. But outside of these four walls, it feels like everything but mundane. It feels like, you know, this unprecedented 
change in the pattern that I can't get a hold of. Nothing is repeating and I can't figure it out. And so this back and forth between the boredom of the daily life and like nothing is happening, but then this existential fear of, well, at least, you know, at least nothing has happened. Like thank Mm -hmm. goodness that it's not getting, you know, I mean, it is getting worse. It is getting worse, right? People Mm -hmm. aren't loosening precautions and aren't realizing that you know, we have to be looking two weeks out. And so all of that to say that every day is is the same and different. And I think that that's been the most difficult thing for my body to have to deal with. Like, how do you create routine when most of the things are outside of your control? Like you only have so much you can do. And so for me, it's waking up and ensuring that I do some type of, of movement, some type of connecting to my body, that I have a, here are the three things you're going to work on today. That's like consider work. So these are the emails or the interview or the writing that you're doing. And I give myself very particular tasks. And then like, here's how you're going to practice forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And just being very clear that like, that is something I'm going to have to practice. Like, how did I forgive myself today for all of the things that I thought I should have done and didn't do, or all of the sadness I felt that had no name that I wasn't sure I should be allowed to feel? Like, how do I then at the end of the day collect myself and say, all right, you didn't write a novel because (laughs) it's hard to get your brain to write a novel right now. But like, but you showed up and you tried and you, you are trying to build a new, a new day within these constraints. And like, that is enough. I'm always thinking about pattern, even with, with writing in verse. Yes. What is the pattern of the line? What is the pattern of the form? But I've now had to, to take that out of, oh, it's just about crafting a story, but it's also about crafting my day. Here, this is my day. This is the constraints that I have. Almost like if I were writing a sonnet, here are the constraints that I have. How am I going to fill it? Where's the turn going to be? And how am I going to be intentional about the Volta happens at this point in the poem? All right, at five o'clock today, I'm going to have a dance party. I'm going to listen to this music. I'm going to go on Instagram Live. And I'm going to give myself those same kinds of changes and something to look forward to and, and a pattern that feels like one I'm making, you know, as yes. opposed to one that's happening to me. When you talk about patterns, do you notice if you've had moments where you catch yourself reflecting back on who you are as a person and how you're able to look back at that now, knowing what it's like to be going through a crisis like this right now. And if there were anything that you've seen, whether it's, you know, through patterns, how you've evolved as a person, I think this is a really specific point in all of our lives where we can really kind of mark it and see and look back and see who we are as people. I think for some folks, it felt like this was a disruption. Like there were things they were trying to do and expectations. And, you know, we all had things we were looking forward to. And Mm. it's a pause. It's a disruption. But I think for me, and, and I'm speaking only for me, because I know this is horrific and there's a lot of fear I'm not I'm not naming and I'm not I, I'm choosing not to discuss necessarily because yeah. I I just don't want to you know I've looked at fear enough when it comes to this pandemic but I I also have to say I was so tired you know I've been touring for for six years nonstop I do wow. close to a hundred presentations a year I'm gone. <sighs> I mean, I'm on the road all of the time. I see my husband, you know, maybe I'm on the road three times, you know, three days out of the week. 
And, and that's not including travel. That's just for actual events. And so I was also in a place where I, I knew I cannot keep up with, with this schedule. I cannot, I can't write like this. I'm not sure I'm going to meet a single deadline. I'm, I'm not my best self in front of audiences anymore because I am tired. And so it, it's also been interesting to have to face that it took my being stopped (laughs) to realize I needed to stop. And, you know, I find myself with energy. I'm posting more online. I'm better able to engage. And, and I feel like it's, it's not just that, oh, I have a book coming out. And so I, I need to be more social. It's also, oh, look what sleep and like having a routine and, you know, FaceTiming my mom every day and making sure that I'm really thoughtful about food because, you know, this is what we have in the fridge and I'm not going out for another two weeks. Look at what that has done for me. Mm -hmm. It has allowed me to take a breath. And so I think everyone might have to kind of confront a little bit. What were the patterns that you held that maybe you have been forced to disrupt that you might not want to pick up again? And I know for me that, you know, I've had to stop and say, that was too much travel and that was too much giving of myself to strangers. And I might need to be closer to home and to, to rootedness moving forward, regardless of what, what the after will look like. I couldn't keep up that pace. When I hear this, it hurts me because it truly had to take an unstoppable pandemic to finally halt you to save your own health and your own well-being and to make you realize to get out of your own crisis. You know what I mean? Or at least give me permission. Like I think yes. I think I knew like <laughs> this is a lot and I don't know how I'm going to get all this done. And also like I am I really have to do a lot of work to not feel as tired in front of audiences. And when I'm engaging with young people, when I'm talking to other writers, I'm having to do a lot of work to be okay. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think that I knew in my heart, like, all right, something's going to have to change at some point, but it's like, this gave me the permission to say, Oh, everything is stopping. And so I too can just say, I'm, you know, I'll get to you when I get to you. But right now, the priorities on every basic level were, do you have enough food? You know, are people staying inside? Are my parents okay? Is my best friend okay? Mm. Is my community safe? Is there anything I can do? You know, like it became so clear. The priorities became so clear in a way that I think the go, 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 don't say no to any opportunity. Don't, you know, you have to strike while the iron is hot. Like Mm. that mentality I could lower the volume because it's like, no, everything is slowing down. And I too am allowed to just stop. Mm -hmm. And breathe. And breathe. You know, you keep hearing, you know, like the strike while the iron is hot, ride the wave right now, or else you don't know when that next wave is coming. And then by then it's like, you are totally wiped out. Yeah. And it's like, what will it take for you to then realize when to slow down. Yes, this is such a shitty circumstance with what, you know, this pandemic is. But holy shit, and I, am I grateful to hear that out of this whole thing, silver lining truly is that you found time for yourself. Right. 
And I think, you know, when you're when you're a writer of color, sometimes you can come from a scarcity model. Mm, mm-hmm. If I'm not putting out yes. a book a year, if I'm not constantly present, present, yes. right, online or, or newsletters or interviews, you know, they're going to forget and they're going to take this back. And I think it's that idea like someone has given me something and now I must I must protect it at all costs as opposed to I have always had something and I'm giving something I'm giving as I can to the world. And and if if that means I'm pausing to, you know, to refill, that's okay too. Like, I think I've had to shift, like no one is giving me these opportunities, right? Like Mm. I am creating and it means that, that I can create also rest, create moments to say, it's all right if I'm not in the limelight, but it can be hard. It's a lot of undoing this idea of like, I have to prove myself. I would love, 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 love to just talk about the moments of creativity throughout your days, a little bit more unpacking of, I guess you could say how you get there. And I know we even talked about tea and how that brings about this certain ritual habit and routine that allows us to get into those creative worlds in our minds, right? But through this new pattern that you're finding, that you're figuring out for yourself right now, if there is anything that you've noticed that has become developed into more solidified pattern of bringing about that creative muse, I would love to just jump on that. And whatever I said that tickles anything from your gut, please, I'd love to hear. I think one of the things I've found is, is because I know I'm home every day. Um, I'm running experiments to try to see what works because this is uh, the first time in a long time that I'm home in the spring. And, and usually (gasps) my pattern was I tour following the school year. And then I, I write in the summers, I draft in the summers and I edit during winter break and then I'm on tour again. And so now that I'm home, I have a couple of projects that have deadlines and things I wanted to work on. But, you know, depending on what I'm working on, I need a different routine. It's not the same thing. Right. And so I've been working on a screenplay. My second novel was optioned and I was asked to be the writer. And so Oh my God, congratulations. I'm so excited for you. It's really exciting. It's also my first time attempting screenwriting. And so I'm teaching myself basically a new form. And it is so scary to face yourself at something you are really not good at. (laughs) (laughs) And be like, wow, the book I think was pretty solid, but this is fucking awful. Right. And so I had to figure out ways to get myself to show up because I was so afraid of being bad that I didn't want to do it. Right. And so one of the things that really helped with the screenplay was I have this like hourglass that sets to 15 minutes and I would tell myself, I'm going to just turn this twice. And that's all I have to do today for this particular project. All I'm going to do is just turn the hourglass twice and write for that length of time. And so it was in burst because it was easier for me to grapple with the fear of this is really bad if I was racing against time. Right. And it's not like I can pause it. It's not, oh, I got a phone call. I'm going to go on Instagram now. It's okay. No, the the sand is moving. And this is the routine. When the sand is moving, you write. And I found it was really just I finished that screenplay 30 minutes at a time just by by having to force myself to do these little sprints. 
I'm working on an adult collection, which is my first adult project in the world. And I contacted a group of friends and in the middle of this pandemic, asked them, you know, we're all working on new genres. We're working outside of what we're trying to do. Do the three of us want to, you know, create a writer's group where we'll send work out once a week and then just like hop on FaceTime and talk. Right. And so it was my kind of, well, the MFA workshop allowed me or pushed me to write every week. That's something I'm trying to do. Maybe if I have a cohort and I'm reading other people's work and engaging with the projects they're on, maybe that'll also help me engage with my own work. And so I guess what my answer is, I am, I'm running these different experiments and different approaches into writing to see what works. Oh. And I, I don't know if, if the 15 minutes that works for the screenplay or the 30 minutes for the screenplay will work for poetry. I don't know if what I'm doing in terms of a writing group for fiction would work for a different kind of project, but I feel playful and I feel like I'm able to, well, this week I'm going to try writing in the afternoons and I'm going to do it with music and see what happens. Like that's where I'm at. Let's see what happens if we just try a bunch of things. And maybe one of these will be my groove. And I can say, oh, well, look, when I play electronica, like this is really <laughs> doing something. I think it's just joyful to, to not make the process a burden, yes. but to think of the process as part of the game. Like the writing is, is, is something I enjoy, but also the framing of the writing. Oh, let's see what happens if I just change how I approach it. And maybe that will be a way to undo it. I don't know. I'm just trying stuff. <laughs> How are you when it comes to perfectionism? Because I feel like the way you go about your work right now sounds so daring and courageous. And I want to know if there are ever thoughts of needing the draft to be perfect, needing the draft to be as close to perfect, even if it's a zero draft first draft. What are you like as a storyteller and creative person when it comes to that? Yeah, I'm I'm really big into perfection, which is something that I've I've had to confront, you know, and yes. something that was helpful. And I mean, this is on social media, so like, don't don't <laughs> quote me on this. But I saw this post, <laughs> as one does. <laughs> Procrastination is often just a form of anxiety. Oh. It's a form of there's something in that thing that worries us. But we just call it like, oh, I just don't want to do it as opposed to addressing like, what is it that has me worried? Right. And yes. so often when I'm procrastinating on a writing project, the worry that I have is I don't know how to do this in a way that feels excellent, mm. you know, and, and especially when you're confronting a first draft, that is such a difficult mandate to give yourself. You, How do you strive towards excellence in something that is inherently supposed to be flawed? Yes. Because you are figuring something out, right? Like if you're figuring out an equation, I would never look at a mathematician writing on a board <laughs> trying to figure out an equation and be like, well, it wasn't perfect the first time. Like they would look at me like, yeah, that's the point of like, why I'm on the whiteboard. Like I'm figuring it out. I'm trying to get at an answer, but but I know when I first start writing it out, no, I'm not going to know it. But that is the expectation I have of myself. You should know the story. You should know the screenplay. You should know this, but... That is such a difficult task to give myself. And, and I guess when I force myself to face that statement and instead turn it to, you should learn this. You are learning this. You are learning the story. You are learning the characters. You are learning the plot. It, it almost feels like, oh, okay, I'm just running my fingers over it and trying to get a sense of the texture. I'm not necessarily out here like, 
trying to embroider a gown. Like I'm just figuring out what material I have first. And I think that that kind of like breaking it down to, you know, a draft is, is you just getting the material. Yes. That's all, and that's okay. Right now we're just gathering. I don't know. In my head, those kinds of metaphors and that kind of reframing really helps me be less, just kind of less anal about <laughs> what it needs to be. But then also yes. trusting like, I am working collaboratively with other people. And if the expectation they have of me is perfection, then that is an unfair expectation that they have too, right? Like my editor has to know a first draft is not going to be perfect. The producer has to know this treatment, this outline, this first draft of a screenplay of a thing I've never done. Like, no, it's probably not going to be Ava DuVernay, right? Like I don't, (laughs) I don't, I'm not Shonda yet. I need you to work with me. And I, but I, I imagine like people are these ghouls who are going to hate everything I do as opposed right. to, no, we, we came because we want to work with yes. you. Like we will figure this out. And I think I'm trying to extend myself the generosity that I know on the other end people will give me as opposed to being fearful. Again, back to that yes. scarcity thing that yes. like, yes. I fuck up on one draft, like my whole career is going to tank. Like yep. that's a hard fucking line to walk. <laughs> yes. And can I also add on the other side, I can imagine your team, how exciting and thrilling and and what an honor it feels to be a part of your shaping process, to see the first draft when it isn't perfect and them having the incredible opportunity to be a part of the messiness is what I love. Like I love the behind the scenes. I love the pull the veil. Let me see the shit hitting the fan smeared on the wall. I want to see all of that because I think that's the excitement. I think that's the fun to see and be a part of that evolving is rare. Right. And oh my God, what a gift you as the artist creator are giving to your team of people to see that shape shifting. What I'm thinking of as you're speaking, have you seen these versus battles on Instagram? No, where? So versus spelled V-E-R-Z-U-Z. So folks at home listening can also Google it or look it up. So this was started by Swiss Beats, the incredible hip hop producer in Timbaland, the rapper and also incredible hip hop producer. They did a battle, right? Similar to how hip hop battles would happen back in the day. They each play a track and we're kind of trying to just say like, I have a better catalog of music, right? And competing. Yes. And then people on Instagram live were just like comment, like you're better or like that track one or, or it's one and two or no, this person's ahead. And now we are on our 10th battle. This last Saturday was Jill Scott versus Erica Badu. There were 500,000 people watching Instagram live of just these two singers just like, and here's the song I'm going to play next. Or that reminded me of this. But what I love most is watching the process of the first one, which was then just like, we're going to go on Instagram. There were maybe 20,000 people. And we're just going to see what happens. Yes. So watching how it's now evolved into, we have a graphic, we have an oh, your own page. They've changed the Instagram rules to allow for people to like be able to engage with it differently. It's just become this whole project. And for me, a creative person to watch it and think about where are the scenes what have they evolved? Look how the rules change. Look how all of a yes. sudden now there's a pin tweet. Now there's advertising. Now there's, you know, like for me, that is joyous. 
but I never extend that to myself when I'm the one creating. Um, you know like how you're saying? Like, yes. I always think of myself as the burden. Oh, yes. I don't want to send a bad draft. I don't want to make her give me feedback that I can come up with myself as opposed to the realization of this same giddiness that I get from like, oh, look what they're doing now. Or look, they're taking the feedback. Oh, now it's going to be its own platform. Like, I, I, I wish I could trust that folks are just as geeked about my shit. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, anytime you continue to watch Versus, I want you every time to, when you're getting all geeked out and thrilled about that raw process of the beauty and the messiness, try to connect yourself to that moment that you're getting excited to see that that is what your people see in your work. Do you know what I mean? Like I do. I know exactly what you mean. I mean, I don't mean to come and like boss you and tell you what no. to do, but do that because you Oh, yeah, we're figuring things out together. Now you have me in tears and I'm like, yes, what I needed. <laughs> no, I'm so serious. You have no idea how much beauty you are giving to this world. I think especially during this time, I I really I want more people to understand how much the arts does for humanity because let me tell you oh my I'm gonna start crying right now it's right now what is saving me in moments that are really hard here in New York City seeing people getting hurt dying it's moments in artistry that give me hope and I know you know something I'm doing with my girlfriend we've been feeding elderly in our communities on our only days off and what came about with that was the sensitivity I developed as an artist to have the empathy for other people. And I have to thank the arts or else I wouldn't have been able to receive that kind of beauty or even think of leaning into humanity in those ways that really can truly save people either through food or through the soul. So you have to remember, like right now, especially what you are doing is actually saving people. And don't ever discount your work, even the juice and all of that. Yeah. That a lot of times is what you're giving a gift to people around you to give them hope of what you can see in the messiness can turn into something so beautiful, so gorgeous in this world that the world needs. It gives them hope to see that, you know, it's not always going to be this messy. You can shapeshift it. There's always chances. There's always things to do and to be more hopeful. You're giving people hope. Oh, oh anyway, I don't know what just happened, but I got teary-eyed. No, I love it. Have you seen the show Undone? No, no. What, who, wait, why does it sound familiar? I just started it this weekend and I think it's been out for months. It's fascinating. It's a fascinating show. But one of the, the character needs a talisman because she's moving through time and there's a oh. thing that she has to hold on to to just help her stay grounded because otherwise she just, you know, it's like Mr. Manhattan from Watchmen. Like you, she can't remember what, where in time she is. Oh, so she, she has this little like electronic blackjack thing she plays. But as you were talking, I, I just started thinking like, oh, maybe what we're really arriving at is this idea of artists all needing a kind of talisman, yes. like just a thing that you hold on to during the process, right? So not yes. once the book is done, I know, oh yeah, it's a great book. But during the process, just that thing I can come back to to remind me like, 
this is just as beautiful. Yes. And so when you were like, I want you to hold on to that, I'm like, oh, wait, this is my talisman. Yes, like, it is. this is the thing oh. I look at versus and say, what yes. I enjoy most isn't going to be when it actually ends up on a major network and people are watching it, like American Idol, which is probably going to happen. I'm going to always hold on to what I loved what was when it was on Instagram and I was watching it becoming. And so I guess for me, I'm getting really excited because I'm like, maybe that's the thing I needed to hold yes. so that when I'm writing, I remember like, yeah, this part sucks because it's not <laughs> good yet. But like also remember, this is the part that you love most. Yes, right? this is your talisman. Oh it's a God. talisman. I, I, maybe we all need that example, that thing of that we love in someone else's process that we can reflect to our own. Yeah. Look at us. Yes, we just found the talisman. We just did it. <laughs> you are incredible. And you know, I could not find a more perfect way to wrap this up. So please let everybody know any books that you're currently reading that you could recommend. I know you just recommended the show Undone. So that's a great one to add to the list as well. Anything, even craft books. If you checked out any craft books for the screenwriting that you were saying is brand new to you. Anything that you feel will inspire the hell out of our listeners. I am reading Ada Limon's poetry collection called The Carrying, which I think is excellent. On my nightstand is The Deathless Divide by Justina Ireland, which is an alt history zombie apocalypse set post-Civil War. Amazing. It's incredible. Black girls fighting zombies. I mean, what, what better could you do? So those are the two that I've been kind of shifting between. All right, Elizabeth, please let everybody know where they can say hello to you on social media to thank you for your time. You can find me on pretty much every platform, except for TikTok because I'm old, <laughs> but every other platform at Acevedo, my last name, A-C-E-V-E-D-O, writes, W-R-I-T-E-S, Acevedo writes, and that's Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And that wraps up our conversation with Elizabeth Acevedo. Elizabeth, I am blown away by our conversation. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom to help our listeners find the beauty in every moment of their storytelling journeys. And storytellers, thank you for hanging out and tuning in as always. Please be sure to stop by and say hi to Elizabeth on Twitter at Acevedo Writes and on Instagram at Acevedo Writes. To find all of the resources and books Elizabeth mentioned throughout her episode, along with tweetable quotes and the timestamps of highlights throughout our entire conversation, head on over to Elizabeth's show notes page at 88cupsofteacom slash Elizabeth Acevedo. If you're looking for a super intimate space where you can meet fellow storytellers and experience what it's like to be a part of our community, come hang out with us in our private Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash 88 cups of tea. We check in with each other on the daily and have weekly threads where you can update each other about your work in progress, along with swapping recommendations for books and TV shows. And there's a whole lot more that happens in there. So if you'd love to hang out with us, come join us at facebook.com slash groups slash 88 cups of tea. Have a super productive week and I will catch you not this Thursday, but the one after that. <laughs>